All right, guys, welcome back to the Battle for the Bluegrass podcast. This is episode 17. This is going to be our week one preview. So we're going to talk some UK Toledo. We're also going to talk some Louisville Notre Dame. But first, we're going to talk some basketball recruiting. Uh, and we've got a Louis Poor today, uh, dad of Chance Poor, UK starting redshirt freshman kicker this year. He'd come on the show for an interview. But uh, first, as always, what's been going on with you, Dustin? Not much, man. Just like last week, you know, I was getting, I was getting antsy because it was a week away. I'm so jittery right now. I'm like, you know, really, I, I don't know if I can make it a few more days to college football starts. I want sports. <laughs> I'm ready for. Well, I mean, we had the the Florida Miami game last last week. Did you catch any of that? I watched all of it. It was honestly hard to watch. <laughs> they. Those neither one. I'm sorry, people. Florida is not a top. If Florida's a legit top ten team on their rank, then this is not a good season for college football because Florida is not a top ten team. You know what it was? It was entertaining, horrible football. That's what it was. I mean, it was entertaining at the very least. When they started throwing flags in the fourth quarter on all those pass interferences, I was just like, I, I bet, I bet, like Florida's coach is just losing his mind right now what in the world was felipe franks doing on that interception man no idea (laughs) i don't remember what corner it was but it was like third and 32 and they get or fourth and 32 and they get a a pass interference call and he's literally 10 yards from the the first down marker when he grabs him i'm like just let him catch it and tackle him why are you grabbing him i could be wrong but I really think Felipe Franks is going to hold that team back. I don't think he's that great of a quarterback, but his attitude is what I'm referring to on that. You know, he's out talking about – I mean, he was constantly running his mouth, you know, run over there, jawing with the Miami fans. Uh, and he come out and apologized the other day for, of all things, they didn't score more points. He said, I said we'd average 50 points this year, and I want to apologize for not doing that. But I promise you, the rest of the year, we're going to do that. Dude, shut up. Who do you think you are, 50 points a game? Come on. Well, maybe he'll put 50 on UK. I kind of hope so. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, he uh, does. I'll get some props. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you'll have to eat your words. You have to eat some crow if he comes out and drops 50 on you. I will make sure of it. <laughs> um, anyway, let's let's jump into some basketball recruiting. We're going to get to that interview pretty quick. But I know the big news around UK's campus this week is – Terrence Clark could possibly reclassify to 2020. Uh, what are you hearing about that? I'm hearing it's a very strong possibility now. And uh, the the most interesting thing about it, the last three crystal ball picks, and all three of them by pretty big guys, Corey Evans, Evan Daniels, I think was another one. I can't remember the third one, but all three of them has logged picks for Kentucky. And on top of it, like you just said, the legitimate thought is this kid's going to reclassify to 2020. The only thing about it that worries me, uh, you know, he's the third-ranked player in the class of 2021. Uh, what's that say about Josh Green? You know, I, I know a lot of people has him favor to go to Memphis. Uh, they say, everybody says it's down to Memphis or Kentucky for him. Is the coaching staff hearing what they something they don't want to hear and have talked to Terrence Clark and you know, said, no, reclassifying will take you? Or is it just a case where they say, hey, first one to commit, let's go, you know, because he's – a top three player green's a top three player so you know first come first serve i don't know maybe calif perry's just learned his lesson about putting all his eggs in one basket maybe 
because I mean they've had a rough couple of years thinking that they're going to get a certain player and then it just completely flipping on them. So maybe he's just throwing out uh, some offers and you know kind of like UCLA did with uh, Shaquille O'Neal's son Sharif. It was basically uh, whoever commits first gets a scholarship type thing. Yeah, you know, like you just said, you you know, it's completely true. I mean, the last few years missed out on quite a few guys that we thought for sure we was going to get. Uh, and I, we've, I've said on this podcast, Cal's got to change up what he's doing, what he's, you know, and it's not just him. I think most of it has to do with the assistance too, but something has to change and this could be it. You know, we're going after a bunch of guys. If you want your spot, you better commit and get it. Well, some other news out of, uh, UK, UK's camp is, uh, Man, I, I hate even talking about this. I don't even want to talk about this. Isaiah Jackson is going to be on campus this weekend. And if you've listened to this podcast before, you know how much I want him in Louisville because he is – he reminds me so much of Earl Clark. And Earl Clark's one of my favorite players. I love Earl Clark. And if he ends up going to UK, I'm going to cry for a solid week. I mean, he can go to Michigan State where he's crystal balled by most people to to go to. But if he ends up going to UK, I'm just going to cry all over my pillow. And I will record every second of it. I will miss work, everything for that. I'll be in your yard, you know, holding up signs for him, and, you know, all that. Yeah, you, you won't hear the end of it from me. I'm, I, I mean, I'm so sick of UK and Louisville. I remember, uh, uh, who was it? Lyle's, or Lyle. It was Lyle because it was down to like UK and Louisville a few years ago. Trey Lyle and he ended up picking UK and that that just gutted me. I mean, I, I kind of saw it coming, but it it just gutted me. I hated it. It was awful. But uh, off the bench instead of going to Louisville and starting. I don't care. I, <laughs> that pass is the past. This is a new era. Chris Mack. Let's move forward. Why are we looking at that? Why did I even bring that up? Let me just hit on a couple of Louisville things before we move on to some football stuff. Cam Hayes, one of the top point guards in the class of 2021, is uh, expected to reclassify a lot like Terrence Clark. And he is officially going to take an official visit to Louisville, probably going to be Louisville Live. I know there's so many top guards that are going to be at Louisville Live. And it's just turning out to be a huge weekend. I mean, I know it's not Big Blue Madness, uh, but I'm really glad to see Louisville taking a step in that direction as far as getting a big basketball recruiting weekend, all the hype going. Because when Patino was on campus, it was like, okay, let's have a scrimmage. And that was it. Like, Patino was so old school, it was nauseating. It was just, like, he didn't get into Twitter. He didn't try to get out there and recruit, you know, uh, on social media. I'm just really glad Chris Mack is moving in a different direction. Yeah, it was definitely needed. Uh, I, what Pino's got to understand, dude, this is a new generation. That old school stuff, you know, it's just not working. They want somebody that's energetic, somebody that they can get behind. They they see as a uh, a hip guy, I guess you would say. You know, if you look at Calipari, his Twitter followers, I think he's got more Twitter followers than any coach in any sport. Uh, you know, that's one thing that helps. Uh, people don't realize that kind of stuff, but you know, the, the social media goes a long way with these coaches, these kids, you know, every one of these recruits are on social media and they see all this stuff. Yeah. I, does he have more followers than Nick Saban? I thought Nick Saban might have him edged in that department. 
we can look it up and you can tell me if I'm wrong or not next next podcast, but I thought so. I know he did at one point, I'm pretty sure. Before this podcast is over, I will look this up and, and we will confirm or deny this. Uh, I'll, go ahead. While we're on basketball recruiting, I want to mention one thing. Uh, Josh Christopher, you know, we've talked about him before. Uh, I think he's a strong UK lean. He another kid from California. Uh, he grew up a Kentucky fan. It's a legit Kentucky fan. Like there's pictures of him as a kid wearing Kentucky jerseys and stuff. Uh, but he has scheduled two visits to UK. Uh, he's going to be there on an unofficial visit for Big Blue Madness, and then he's coming back for an official visit uh, in the against the uh, the game against Georgia at Rupp Arena. You know what's that say to you that he's scheduled two visits to Kentucky? Yeah, I heard that too. That's almost a commitment to me. I mean, if you schedule two visits, I mean, what are you doing? Just go ahead and commit and get it over with. Yeah, I, I honestly believe the kid, you know, it's going to take something strange for him not to end up in Kentucky. That's just, I've said that for weeks now. But uh, I just wanted to throw that out there before we moved on. I would kind of forgotten about that. Okay. How does Nick Saban not have a Twitter? How is this possible? I mean, Calipari has a 1.6 million followers. Nick Saban doesn't even have one. Speaking of old school, though, Derek, Saban's pretty old school. This is this is insane. Anyway, uh, some more Louisville news. Not not as big hot big of a hot train on this one, but Zach Loveday, um, a top 50 center in the class of 2020, is going to be on Louisville's campus this weekend. Uh, but the big thing that I wanted to get to uh, with Louisville is. One of the top players in the state, Zion Harmon, gets the UFL offer in the past week. We've talked about Zion Harmon on this podcast and before. Can he actually get eligible? I mean, what is, what is Louisville trying to accomplish with throwing this offer out? I, I don't know, man. When we talked before, we didn't think there was any way. You know, Pilgrim even kind of mentioned that. But, you know, if he can get eligible, is it not smart for Louisville to go ahead and say, hey, we're throwing our, our eggs in your basket right here. You know, here's your scholarship. If you want it, come. And if they can get eligible, then it's there already. They've already got their uh, their foot in the door, so to speak. You know, they've already laid the groundwork with him. And if he can get eligible, there you go. Yeah, he's already taken an unofficial to Louisville. I mean, he he posted a, a, a tweet of him in a Louisville uniform and, you know, saying the unofficial at Louisville was great. Hashtag U of L. Um but I mean, he's got some big offers like Auburn's offered, Kansas is offered, uh, LSU, Tennessee. I'd even throw Creighton as a big offer in there now because they're kind of part of the Power Six. Um, but I don't know. He's a little bit undersized, and I think this is more of a statement. Uh, even if he can't get eligible, and, and this is just a theory of mine. But this is a statement to all the top prospects in the state saying, you know, UK is going to go after Mr. Basketball, maybe. Uh, but if you're not Mr. Basketball, we're going to come after you. We're going to take control of the top players in the state. And whether they can or not, or not remains to be seen. I don't know if they can. But uh, I, I don't know. What do you think about that? I think that's a very, very good example. Uh, you know, let's face it. You know, most Kentucky fans, myself included, like seeing Kentucky guys on the University of Kentucky basketball team. Few and far in between now. You know, Derek Willis and uh, Dominique Hawkins was two of the last ones, pretty much. I mean, now you've got a uh, uh, 
what's his name, the one that got hurt. I can't think of his name right now. Allen. Yeah, you got Allen. Uh, but he's pretty much the only one right now. Uh, so Louisville, you know, they're smart on that. Kentucky's going to go after the best of the best, and Louisville is too. Mm-hmm. But they also smart enough to know that they're not going to get all the guys that Kentucky will get. So you're going after the best in the state because a lot of these kids ain't going to want to leave. I mean, people make fun of Kentucky all you want. I never wanted to leave the state. It was my state. I was proud of the state. I, and if I was going to college, I was staying in the state. And that's what I've done. Uh, you know, a lot of kids are going to be like that. So we will be silly not to have that. And that's a perfect thing to be doing. Well, in the last five years, especially, I would say that that Louisville has had more in-state players than Kentucky. Because you had had Quinn Snyder, you had Ray Spalding. Uh, Now you've got uh, David Johnson. Um, I know I'm forgetting a couple. Uh, Anyway, um, I just wanted to throw that that out there. This is theory of mine. But like you said, if if he can get eligible, he's a top 30 player. Uh, you know, a top 30 player in the class of 2021. I know he's a little undersized at 5'10", but he's still got a little time to grow. And if he can get up to six feet, I mean, he's he's a talent. I mean, he played in the top 10 all-star game in the, in the uh, uh, what's it called, uh, the NBA top 100 camp. He was in the all-star game uh, last year. So, I mean, he averaged 32 points, seven assists, and three and a half rebounds. I mean, that, that's a pretty good stat line. So, I mean, why not? I love, I love the kid's game. You know, I've talked to you about it before. I like the kid. If he can get eligible, wherever he goes, man, they're going to get a heck of a player, even if he don't grow. I mean, and he's not a Tyler Euless type player, but look at Tyler Euless. He was 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, look what he done, man. He was yeah. the SEC defensive player of the year at that size. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess – I'm just a little bit partial to more NBA-bodied guards, but that doesn't mean because you're 5'10", you can't play on the Division One level with the Power 5 or Power 6. I mean, Tyler Eulis proved that completely a couple years ago. So we'll, we'll see what happens with Zion. I hope he can get, can get eligible, even if he doesn't go to UofL. I'd still like to see him get eligible and, and play on that level. Um, but let, let's get into some meat. Uh, the, let's get into some football. Uh you want to start with the UK Toledo preview? Yeah, uh, you know one of the one of the things that a lot of people don't know uh, if you follow recruiting like I used to. You know, I used to cover recruiting for several different sites. Uh, Bryant Kobach is a kid that committed to Kentucky out of Ohio. Uh, he didn't like where he was falling on the depth chart, and he ended up transferring. And uh, Stoops actually, the co- UK coaching staff actually tried to block his uh, his transfer to Toledo. For a while, uh, ended up not working, and they ended up letting go of it, which they should have. I don't think coaches should be blocking kids' uh, transfers. Uh, but he is uh, the starting tailback at Toledo, and he is one of their best players. And I, you know, I don't think Toledo is going to beat Kentucky, but Kobach, I think, has a good game Saturday. You know, he he is a good running back. Uh, he, I really think he'll have a good game and a good year at Toledo. Uh, other than that, you know, Toledo, they've lost a lot. People talk about – there was actually uh, Jerry Palm uh, called uh, his upset uh, of the week. The upset to watch was that one. He picked Toledo to beat Kentucky. I don't think that'll happen. Uh, Kentucky's too strong on the offensive and defensive lines. Uh, they're a MAC team, and Kentucky struggled with MAC teams before. But Kentucky's depth right now and our strength is our offensive defensive line. That's not usually been the case in Kentucky history. 
in the in the end, I think that wears down on Toledo. It could be a close game for a while. It could end in a pretty close game, but they don't have the firepower they've had. They've lost their top uh, deep threat. Uh, they've lost quite a bit themselves. I just I think Kentucky's going to wear and tear on them by the end of the game. They're going to be wore out from our offensive and defensive line, and Kentucky comes out on top. You want a score prediction? I'll say uh, I'll say thirty four to thirty four twenty one. Oh, so you're taking the over eleven and a half. So you're taking you're taking Kentucky and giving up the eleven and a half. Yeah, I'll say I'll say thirteen because I think I think at the end we're going to be wearing Toledo down. That's just my personal opinion. Again, I've been wrong several times, so I'll probably be wrong again. But I, I think I think it'll be close to the end, and I think Kentucky scores, you know, towards the end of the game because Toledo's wore down and they cover the spread. Now Kentucky's not been real good at covering the spread under Stoops. They've, they've, uh, <laughs> but I, I think the, the wear and tear on it by the end of the game, Toledo will be wore down. Kentucky scores late to cover the spread. Well, let's play, let's play a little game here. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you some questions about Kentucky and Toledo, and then you can do the same for me on the Louisville game if you want to. But, uh, as far as this game goes, week one, we obviously know Terry Wilson's probably one of the biggest X factors for the team this year. Other than Terry, who would you slate in as number two most important player on this team? Week one. Oh, without question, it's Lynn Bowden. Why? Why Lynn Bowden? Look at what he done last year. I mean, he was our top receiver easily. I think he caught 90-something passes, 80-something or 90-something passes. Uh, you know, he, he wasn't our starting kick returner or punt returner. Uh, he, he went to the coaching staff. We was in a position where we struggled against Missouri. He said, put me in, let me return this punt. They gave him a chance. What did the kid do? Returned it for a touchdown. He returned four punts last year, and all four times he taught the coaches into letting him do it. Two of them were touchdowns, punt return touchdowns. Uh, he come, you know, come out of high school as a, he was a high school quarterback in the state of Ohio. But everybody knew he was listed as an athlete. Everybody knew he'd probably play receiver. This kid, you know, people forget, he had scholarships from big schools. Ohio State wanted this kid. They wanted him. Uh, they had, there were some issues, uh, questions about his grades there for a while, and I think they kind of backed off, but they still had offered him the scholarship. He ended up coming to Kentucky. He straightened out a lot of things. You know, he had some issues. He did when he first got here. But, dude, he is he is a talent that, I mean, he's a talent at Kentucky we've not had in a while, especially at that position. I'll say he's a, a talent at Kentucky at that wide receiver position we've not had since Randall Cobb. That's a big statement comparing him to Randall Cobb. I mean, Randall Cobb was a beast not only on the collegiate level, but even on the NFL level there for a long time. I mean, he's still a player, but he's he's not what he was. I, I honestly thought you might have said, uh, was it A.J. Rose that's going to replace Benny Snell? I thought yeah. you might have said A.J. I started to go with the running backs, but then I thought of him. You know, I think he's going to be the most because, I mean, our running game is going to be there. It's it's a, it's a three-headed monster between A.J. Rose, uh, uh, Cavassier Smoke and uh, Chris Rodriguez. <laughs> there yeah. he is, Cavassier. Yeah, do you love that? But it's a three-headed monster. AJ Rolls is going to lead it. Uh, and if you ask me, the third one again, it'd be offense, and it would be AJ. Uh, you know, how's he going to be? Because he's got the talent. We saw it last year. Uh, and actually, they thought he would be the guy over Benny Snell. It just didn't pan out. Benny surprised a lot of people. Uh, he, he was actually a lot more high, highly recruited than Benny was. But, man, I'm telling you, if you watch, you will, you will see, man, Lynn Bowden is going to be special this year. He won't be back for a senior year. He'll be going pro after this year. 
Well, let's let's play a little speculation game. Does AJ Rose or Terry Wilson lead this team in rushing this year? Ooh, ah, uh, honestly, I'll go Terry because of what I just said. Three-headed monster. You're gonna have three guys getting the ball quite a bit. AJ Rose will be getting more touches than any of the other running backs. But with the way Terry Wilson plays, man, you're gonna see him do quite a bit of running. I think, especially now that we got a legit backup quarterback, it's proven. Uh, you know, he won, was it nine or 10 games at Troy last year? Uh, they beat LSU uh, uh, with uh, Sawyer Smith. I think they're not as worried about him getting hurt now that they will take more chances and let him run the ball more. And we seen last year, man, he is extremely fast for a quarterback. He said he was one of the top three fastest players on our whole team. Um, I don't think we have nobody break a thousand yards this year. I think there's too many options. Uh, but I could see Terry getting five, six, maybe 700 yards rushing. I, I, I don't know. I, I might take AJ on that one just, just because he's a little bit unproven. I, I think for Kentucky to be successful, I think Stoops knows that Terry has to be healthy. I think you might see him run a little bit less than he did last year. I mean, obviously get him out on the perimeter and get him in space because that's where he excels. Um, but as far as him actual design runs for the quarterback, you might see a take, t- him take a step back. I mean, maybe not. Maybe I'm just uh, out of my mind here. But in my mind, if I'm Stoops, I have to look at the big picture and say, okay, for us to be successful, Terry Wilson has to be on the field. Oh, I completely agree. The, the only other thing I would say – is, you know, it might not be designed runs for Terry every time, but that's going to be in the back pocket that if it's not there to take it. And we know with his playmaking ability, he's not just a quarterback, man. He's a playmaker, and his speed is, you know, next level. Uh, Our receiving core, other than Lynn Bowden, is very, very unproven. Uh, They're very young and, again, very unproven. So if if Lynn Bowden – you know, if he can't go to Lynn Bowden, there may be a lot of times that he may have to run it. But now this year, I think you see Kentucky really use the tight end a lot more uh, between Justin Rigg and uh, Upshaw, Keaton Upshaw. Uh, so that might help out a lot. But I think that on every play, he's a threat to take it and run. Okay, one more question from me. Uh, let's talk a little Toledo here. Um, Bryant Kobach, I know he originally signed with Kentucky, transferred to Toledo. Does Kentucky hold him under 100 yards this weekend? Ah, I think that's the magic numbers right there at that area. (laughs) I'm giving you all the hard questions. Yes, yes. I think he has a good game. Uh, Man, I don't know. If he gets it, he probably gets it early because, again, I think our defensive line is going to overpower their offensive line. But he may break a few because this kid's got, you know, he's got the ability to break some break some long plays. Uh, I tell you what, I'll, I'll go with no. I'll go with that he don't get it. I think he gets some plays early, some pretty big plays probably earlier. But I think our defensive line is just going to overpower their offensive line and it will hold him in check to a certain extent. Yeah, I, th- I think if they hold him under 100 yards, that has, to be, that has to be the game plan for the week, right? It has to be to hold him under 100 yards and just make the quarterback beat you through the air, right? Oh, yeah. And see, Toledo, almost always, especially the last few years, they've been a uh, pretty much a run-and-gun type team. Air it out, just try to outscore you, which you always try to outscore the other team, but you know what I mean. They're trying to put up a lot of points. Mm-hmm. And I think that 
actually playing to Kentucky's favor in the end because of, again, our strength of our team is offensive and defensive lines, and I think it will wear and tear on them. Well, with Josh Allen leaving, I know that leaves a big hole in the linebacking spot. Uh, I, I'm curious to see what kind of exploitation can happen in week one because of a new guy stepping into that role because Josh Allen was, I mean, such a monster. And I mean, you, how many defensive backs did you lose off this team last year? Four or five, six. Yeah. Our defensive back unit is very inexperienced. That's, that's by far my biggest concern is we are extremely young. I mean, we, we got mostly sophomores and like red shirt freshmen out there playing defensive back this year. So Mm -hmm. our, our, Defensive line and linebackers are going to have to help them out. They're going to have to keep pressure on that quarterback to keep, uh, you know, to, to help, to help, to help the uh, defensive backs out. Uh, we'll see what happens at noon on Saturday. I'm going to be watching. I know you said you have to work, so you'll probably have to catch it a little bit later. But if things start to go sour, I'm going to be texting you. Oh, I'll, I'll definitely be listening. If they're going sour, you can forget me responding. I won't listen. And I'll be <laughs> mad at you. I'll be throwing stuff this ball. You know, I, I want to touch on one thing, Eric, since you talked about Josh Allen replacing him. I think Pascal, uh, they released the uh, first death chart. Pascal is going to be starting at linebacker. He moved back to linebacker. He went linebacker, defensive end. They found out he had cancer last year. He's back. The kid's huge, man. He's like 260-something. He's massive, uh, which Josh Allen, coincidentally, was 260. But it's going to be by committee some there, too. But the NCAA needs to do the right thing. You know, you've had plenty of guys get cleared uh, on transfers to uh, go ahead and play this year. Justin Fields from Georgia. Why he got cleared already is beyond me. I mean, it was almost instantly. Uh, but Xavier Peters, who committed to Kentucky originally out of Ohio, uh, decommitted up going to Florida State. He was penciled in to be a starter, the starting linebacker, for Florida State as a redshirt freshman this year. He decided to transfer because he wanted to get back closer to home to where his son is. He's got, like I think, a one-year-old son. Uh, he was, you know, he wants to be closer to him. So he transferred to Kentucky. So far, we've not heard anything, and I think that's ridiculous. NCAA, only one thing to say, do the right thing. Hashtag free Xavier. Get him in there because, man, this kid is a beast. He was an Under Armour All-American, and if you watch the Under Armour All-American game last year, dude, he was one of the big talking points of that game. He pretty much dominated in that game defensively. Is there anything else you want to touch on this Toledo-Kentucky preview before we look at Notre Dame and Louisville? No, let's go ahead and look at that beatdown that's coming from Louisville. Uh, don't be so quick, sir. We'll see what we'll see what we get at right here. So Louisville and Notre Dame, if if you don't know, they're they're slated for a Labor Day night game on Monday, so they're not actually playing on Saturday. It'll be 8 p.m. Monday night, and uh, Notre Dame is right now is a 19 point favorite. I'm gonna go ahead and let let Dustin take the over and under on this game first thing. Uh, unless it's over under a hundred, I'm taking the, uh, taking the over on that one. You have no faith in, in Scott Satterfield and the revamped Cardinals, do you? Zero. Well, to be fair, I always think Notre Dame's overrated. I've said that pretty much every year. Uh, and I've been proven right pretty much here. Look at what they do when they get put in the playoffs and they don't deserve to be there. They get absolutely stomped. Uh, but. Louisville was just it's just not going to be a good year for Louisville I think you know that as well as a Louisville fan uh, which Vanderbilt you know they gave Notre Dame everything they wanted last year they had a chance to win that game last year and I was watching it so Louisville could surprise them I guess but I, I don't 
I don't think this is a year for Louisville to uh, put up much of a fight with them. Okay, so I'm going to turn it over to you. And since I got to question you about the Kentucky game, I'm going to let you question me about this game. All right. So right. What, do you, what kind of questions do you want answered? How many quarterbacks play in this game for Louisville? One. Who? One. Jawan Pass. He's been oh. named the starter. He got named the starter. I I just think he's the guy. He has to be the guy. They they're saying that he's improving. Um, everything that I'm hearing, he's looking better. I mean, he has to be better than eight and twelve. You know, eight touchdowns and twelve interceptions last year. I mean, he has to be better than that. So, got to get that completion percentage up. It's not hard to get up from fifty four percent last year. But I do think that Jawan Pass takes a step forward, and whether it's good enough to get Ken, or to get Kentucky to get Louisville uh, more than two or three wins this year, that remains to be seen. We'll have to wait and see about that. Okay, what what is your biggest concern uh, going into this game? What's the biggest area of concern for the Cardinals? Depth, depth by far. It has to be depth because um, I think that. I think that on the the, the starters, I, I mean, starting wise, I think we can compete with anybody in the ACC except Clemson. Um, I mean, I'm not including Notre Dame in that because Notre Dame is just, you know, their top ten team. But you know, when you get in that second, third tier, they're just they're thin. It's going to be you know two or three years before Satterfield's able to kind of fill that stable again. I think. Yeah, I mean, just you know, going back to Kentucky, that's how Stoops was in his first there. We'd win, you know, we'd be five and one, four and two, and then last of the year lose a bunch of games because you're just so beat up, you don't have the depth. Yeah. So I, you know, I think it's an issue for Louisville. Uh, I guess last thing is, you know, does does Louisville hold Notre Dame under forty? I think so. I think I think they hold them under forty because, I mean, Ian Book is a bit of a gunslinger for Notre Dame. Um. You know, he's he's been named a top 50 player in college football this year by ESPN. But, he, you know, he loses his top wide receiver, his top tight end. Now one of their top tight ends for this year is out with a broken collarbone until, you know, week three or four. Uh, really the only proven option that he has is Claypool. You know, he's a 6'4 senior. He's probably their top receiver. I don't. I just don't know. I'm not saying he doesn't have anybody to throw the ball to. Obviously, he he does. But the only one that's proven is Claypool. So I, I can see them kind of struggling to to find their chemistry, to find their groove with it being week one. I think they stay under 40. Well, I know Kentucky put quite a bit of points on them up last year, but again, it was last of the year. Depth was an issue, uh, and the, the our defense, Kentucky's defense, was just so dominant last year that our offense had more opportunities. So I, I could see them doing that. I won't put the pressure on you, Derek. Just I gave my prediction. What's your score prediction? Score prediction, I'm going to say – I did say stay under 40, so i got to stay under 40. Um, I'll say 35-14. 35-14. That's a pretty good score. I actually like it. That's, that's about good. That's about what uh, I would say. Yeah. So I would I, points for Notre Dame. I would probably go – 40, 45 to maybe 17 or something. Yeah, I mean, they've got the talent. If they have more proven pieces in the passing game back on offense, uh, 
and I'm talking about Notre Dame like they have nobody. I mean, they have guys two and three deep at each position, but like, I mean, you lose your top wide receiver and your top tight end, your starting running back, your starting center. I mean, there's going to be some there's going to be some chemistry that has to happen. If this was week four or five, yeah, I mean, they're going to push it probably to sixty, but. I'm just going to be a little conservative here and say they hold them under 40 just because of, you know, lack of experience together. We're going to get into our Twitter poll and what our uh, Twitter fans thought about that. There's a couple more things I wanted to hit on Louisville (laughs) real quick. Um, The big thing that I wanted to hit on was with Louisville is Satterfield. Like I said, the, the starters on Louisville, it are pretty good. Um, we have ten returning defensive starters, which which you know that's a big deal. The only problem is this is the defense that allowed forty four points a game last year. So is that a good thing? Is that not a good thing? I I'm not real sure. But they was the really one, young too, though, wasn't they? Well, they were, and you know there's there was a lot of apathy because Petrino. I mean. I didn't like when they hired Petrino and brought him back in the first place. I just didn't. And yeah, that's cheated on me once, you know. Okay, cheated on me again. Dadgummit. it. And well, I mean, he just he just quit on this team. I mean, he just didn't care. And honestly, I know it accomplishes nothing, but just out of anger, I wish they would have just fired him. Just fired him in the <laughs> middle of the season. Just as soon as it started going bad, just get rid of him. And Maybe. but. Went to uh went to uh the Falcons or whatever. Quit mid season, did he not? The, you know, I think so. I think so. That was Yeah. Then went to Arkansas and had all that issues. Why would you give him another chance? Well you know, I I can't answer that. I mean I I, I wasn't a fan of the hire at all. I mean, there was a part of me that was kind of excited to see you know, after sitting under Charlie Strong, Charlie Strong's a great coach. You know, he was great for Louisville. He'd done a great job. But he he was a defensive-minded coach. And, you know, coming out of Bobby Ball that's, you know, Bobby Petrino 1.0, you know, he was slinging it around with Brian Brom. It was more entertaining football. Um, and, and Charlie – I mean, the truth is, Charlie should have done more with what he had. I mean, if you had Teddy Bridgewater, you have Michael Bush, and you have uh, Devontae Parker, or is it Devontae? Is it Dante Parker? Devontae Parker. I can't remember. Uh, just uh, my mind's going crazy. But if you have those three guys right there in the short stint that you're there, I mean, you should be that, – that's three really skilled players. I mean, they all played multiple seasons in the NFL – and you know Parker and Bridgewater are still there. I'm kind of hoping Bridgewater gets the call to go to Indianapolis after the fiasco that's going on right now. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but the big thing that I want to look at, the last thing that I'll talk about with the Louisville game, uh, with it being Week One, is I want to see what this offensive line can do because Satterfield is a run-first coach. You've got Hassan Hall coming back. He's a true sophomore. He showed a lot of promise. He's speedy. He's put on weight. Um, it, he said that he's dealing with contact a lot better since he's put on some more muscle. Uh, he he had trouble breaking tackles, breaking that first contact last year. So I want to see what he does there. 
Um, but then you got Makai Becton, who's a junior, probably one of the best offensive line prospects they've had in a long time. And I say prospect, and he's a junior. But also you got T.J. McCoy, who's a grad transfer coming out of Florida, who started nine games for them in 2017 before he got injured. So, I mean, you're talking about an SEC quality starting center who's going to lead the offensive line, who's going to be making the calls. Um, everybody knows that under Bobby, the offensive line was complete trash. It was awful. Lamar Jackson, as good as he was, I mean, I know you saw it on Twitter, like the screenshots and the videos of Lamar just running for his life. I mean, it was absolutely atrocious. So I'm hoping that that's the first step because they have to get that line right. If they're going to be a run-first team and and they're going to depend on that to set up the play action, they have to get this offensive line going. They have to get it right. Yeah, I mean, that's a big thing. I mean, as good as Lamar was, if he, wasn't able to, if he wasn't that good, man, Louisville would have been hurting extremely bad. I mean, they went eight and four with Lamar, and that's just unacceptable because the type of player Lamar was. But it was that, like you just said, the offensive line, man. They just they couldn't – they wasn't there. It reminded me of uh, Miami's offensive line <laughs> last weekend. Uh, could you imagine if Lamar was would have set up behind a good line, like a SEC caliber line like uh, Georgia or Alabama, and actually had guys that were blocking for him? He he would have won the Heisman twice. I mean, I mean maybe that's a little bit out there, but I I, I think he would have. I think he's that much of a talent. And I tried to talk about that a little bit with Ethan Moore last week, and I didn't do a great job at kind of conveying that to him. But basically what I was trying to say was Lamar covered up all kinds of Bobby mistakes, made us think that Bobby was better than he was, and then when Lamar was gone, we were like, oh, my God, this is terrible. Like, this is worse than I thought. Well, I think a lot of people kind of saw it coming. You know, the last year Lamar was there, like I said, to go eight and four with Lamar Jackson, dude, they – that's that's you know the why they go the year before wasn't it ten and two or something like that? Yeah, I mean we were we went from college football playoff, uh, right outside the college football playoff to the next year eight and four to the next year two and ten. I mean if that isn't a if that isn't a turnaround or a drop off, I mean I've it's it's been a it's been a rough rough last couple of years. Yeah, coming from a Kentucky fan that's seen a lot of those two and ten years. Uh, I have no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's funny how karma comes around. Like now, it's it's my turn, but hopefully we won't live here too long. But uh, yeah, so that's going to be our week one previews for UK and Louisville games. Um, I hope that I hope you guys got some good good information out of that. Um, but we had Lewis Poor on this week, Dad of Chance Poor, UK starting kicker. Got to talk to him and interview him. So. Uh, let's get into that right now. We got Lewis Poor with us uh, from uh, South Carolina. It's Chad Poor's father, starting kicker at the University of Kentucky. How you doing, Lewis? Hey, I'm doing good, Dustin. Good to see you. I hear you guys. It's it's our pleasure to have you on here, man. Uh, I just want to touch base with you. I know Chance is one of the starting kicker spot this year. Uh, you know he made some big kicks, a few big kicks last year. Uh, he is a sophomore. Not already starting, so you know he's got a, a long f- a future ahead of him at Kentucky. Uh, just coming to see how you felt about, you know what, how has off se- how has his off season been this year? Well, uh, you know, Chance doesn't talk with me much about football, and since he's six and a half hours away, 
uh, we only chit chat. And when I try to talk with him, it's, uh, I found out being a father figure, if you leave him alone with those kind of things, they work out better. Um, you know, kickers have their ups and downs, you know, you can be the hero or you can be the goat and you know what that means. And, and, uh, it's a, he, he's very good at what he does. And, um, He's been at it a long time, and he knows what he needs to do to make it work. Uh, but kickers are just like anything else. You're on one time, and you're off one time. And 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 perfect example of that is, you know, you see NFL kickers, um, you know, they miss 30-yard field goals all the time. Uh, but it's just the nature of the beast, you know. Uh, you can be on or be off. But I found out that Chance is actually – better kicker when he's about a week away from kicking in other words if he doesn't kick for a week he can bomb the ball now he's got a huge range um uh but you know the they're they're really um i know stoops and uh and, and dean hood are, are are big on his leg and all and everybody's talking about his leg uh it's it's hard to have a strong leg and control it because i didn't understand a lot of things about kicking until i watched a lot of the uh the personal uh, coaches we had to train him. And when you watch what's going on, there's a, there's a, there's a special technique to kicking. Um, there's a spot on the ball. That's about one inch square that you've got to hit perfectly to get the right sound of the ball, to get the right rotation and get it where it's going. There's a lot, a lot of factors involved and it's a lot of muscle memory. It's consistently doing the same way. The, the, the plant foot that you have, since he's right foot, his left foot, plant foot has to be perfect in order to go straight. And, and at the same time, you got a hundred thousand fans watching you, and you know it, it has to work in sequence. Um, the the center has to be perfect. Uh, you have to be on time. Your holder's got to be right. The holder can spot the ball one or two inches left to right, and it makes ten yards difference left to right. So it's a three way combination. And let me no, let me back up. Let me say four four way combination. Because your offensive line has got to protect you. Uh, Chance has 1.2 seconds to get that ball away. In high school, it was 1.9. So one of his uh, problems he had when he first got, left high school and went to, to college was the uh, quickness of the ball getting there and getting the ball off. And uh, because he was rushing himself, he was missing more. But he's got that under control now from what I understand. Uh, uh, but, you know, there's a, there's a technique to everything. And uh, – you, like I said, you can either be the hero or you can be the goat. Um, but as far as, um, as far as his season, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think he's ready. Um, uh, looks like the indications from what I see and what I hear from his, you know, uh, fellow players, they say he's doing well. And, and during camp, you know, they, they have a percentage on field goals that they do. And I don't know if they're long field goals, short or whatever. But his percentages were pretty good. On the last, I mean, it's been a couple of weeks. He was like the 87% on field goals uh, out of something like 46 kicks, um, which means he missed about five. And, and that has a lot to do with different things, you know, you know, the factors of what's going on, how he felt, things like that too, as well. But yeah, that, you know. But as far as the season, we're excited. I mean, we drive six and a half hours from South Carolina to all the home games, and. Um, we park, uh, we've got a, we've got a 40 foot coach. We drive up, we stay all weekend and we'll go to every game. I mean, we're going to support it. And, and guys, I don't know if you knew this or not. We live 15 minutes from Clemson university. So, uh, everybody knows Clemson. Um, 
and we're beat up here with a lot of orange around us. There's orange, orange, orange everywhere, but we're still flying big blue nation in our yard. If you come by, it's blue. It's all blue flags, everything. <laughs> even though, even though I have two dollars at Clemson, <laughs> believe it or not. Now uh, I got one at finished. Uh, do what now? Go ahead. I'm when I interviewed you before because you, you know, I know before you was kind of upset that you know that Clemson was just overlooking. You said uh, Clemson, South Carolina, boat was overlooking a lot of kickers in the state. I might interviewed you yeah. and uh, committed. Yeah, that's true. Um, we have uh, last year. I could say, well, the year that we that Chance uh, signed with Kentucky, we had six of the best kickers in South Carolina in the Southeast. They were ranked the high, the, the top six in the nation, and um, five of them signed out of state. Only one signed in state. Now. I consider myself, I'm thinking that's a, that's a problem because, uh, you know, there's some coaches and some, some, uh, colleges that look real big at the special teams and kicking and, 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 you know, uh, Clemson, I don't think is one of them. Uh, Carolina was big. Uh, you know, we have the rival here like Louisville and, and Kentucky it's Clemson and Carolina here. Uh, but Carolina has uh, been searching for a lot of kickers and chance was offered, uh, to go to Carolina, and I really thought that's where he was going to go. But after visiting Kentucky, and, and they were so persistent after him, he loves it up there. And he said, Dad, I'm going to come in. And that's where he did. But Chance had other offers, too, Alabama, LSU. There were a lot of different ones. But something that a lot of people don't know, Chance is a great punter. He averaged uh, 46, 48 yards in high school and punting. And he had some hang times, 5.1. That's NFL stuff. And really his coach uh, down here, uh, we really thought he's going to be a punter, and then and Dean Hood came in and said we want him as a place kicker, and uh, so we, we were shocked. But he was a combo kicker; he could do all three. But um, yeah, but that, that's kind of way. But but back to what we're talking about with Clemson. Uh, don't get me wrong; uh, we were Tiger fans for 20 years, and, and we still we still are Tiger fans. Uh, I've got a daughter that's still there now, uh, which is Chance's older sister. Uh, and, and she's, she's a senior there now. My first daughter finished there in 09 and she lives in Tennessee now, uh, in Franklin, Tennessee, South of Nashville, but, uh, they're big tiger fans. Uh, nothing wrong with that. It's just, uh, it's kind of funny that, uh, uh, you know, Clemson doesn't look at local kids and I don't know. I don't know whether that's, uh, uh, they're making, they did sign a kid from, uh, Rock Hill, uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina, uh, came from a high school called South Point. And he's very good, uh, B.T. Potter. He's their kickoff guy. And uh, him and Chance are about the same, I guess, as far as kicking strongness. B.T. is a, a lot shorter and smaller than Chance, though. But they took him, and uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of glad. I think I think my son wanted to play SC ball, SEC ball and didn't want to play ACC, and I'm glad he did because it's changed everything for us. I mean, I've seen ACC and I've seen SEC. I've had one year. There's a total difference in those two, and I, I can I could argue all night with that. Uh, SEC's real football, okay? I'm going to say that, and I'm probably going to have if, – if, if anybody on this podcast from Clemson hears it, they're going to give me a hard time because they think ACC's better than – but th- they don't have a clue. Listen, I've seen both. SEC's real football. Uh, these boys really – they really play ball. You know, they play tough teams. Uh, yeah, not the Louisville Cardinals in the ACC. We play real football. Cool. Hey, well, right now the Louisville Cardinals wouldn't be real football in the MAC. I mean, we went well, two last year. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's bad. <laughs> anyway, uh, 
I love it. Last year, last year we were impressed with their stadium. We went to the game in Lord of Mercy. Uh, nice place. But uh, the neat thing about this is my wife and I, Jody, uh, we're traveling a lot now. And I never thought at my age, being 62 years old, that I'd have a son that would be playing in the SEC. And, uh, you know, he's got some big shoes to fill. Um, and he, a lot of people are looking at him and they keep talking about his strong leg. He does have a strong leg. Uh, but you know what? Uh, as, a, as a dad's point of view, looking at the son, I think I have more pressure than he does. Because <laughs> I'm the one. I'm the one worried about, hey, is he going to make this kick or somebody going to mug him before he gets out? <laughs> you know, because if you look at some of the kickers that have been uh, have been the goat instead of the hero, uh, you know, they, they get death threats and everything else. <laughs> and, and, I mean, look what happened in the NFL. So that, that's a Chicago. different story. But yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. But, you know, oh, yeah. and, and, and that's the thing about it. But, you know, uh, I would like to say as far as a parent's point of view, uh, to the fans, if they hear this, you know, these ki- these these kids are just kids. You know, <laughs> we're we're twenty five, thirty, sixty two, whatever. And the fans, it looks easier than it really is. And we got to remember when we start, uh, you know, taking down kids because they did something wrong. They're just kids, you know, and uh, and they still grow and they're still learning. But I, I couldn't imagine um, uh, last year in the Tennessee game. Uh, we were sitting on the 30-yard line in that stadium and 104,000 people there, and the place is full, and, and, and Coach Stoops puts him in for a 51-yard field goal with 12 seconds left. And, uh, and and I'm cringed up like, holy cow, it's 32 degrees outside, and when the ball is 32 degrees, it's like kicking a brick. And he had a nice kick. It was It was long. It would have been good from 65, but he missed it right. And the commentator called it, he says it's wide right, but when you look at the video, he missed it by a foot. It was close. But anyway, proud of him on that because he said, Dad, he says, I'm learning. He said, I kicked it straight down the middle, and he said the, the wind in that stadium pushed it. So, you know, that was only his second kick in college football. <laughs> they put him in for a 51. <laughs> but uh, I was drawn up pretty bad. I mean, you know, I'm the one, I, I tell you, to be honest with you, I'd love him to have been a punter. I would have probably been a little easier, you know, <laughs> but, but, but seriously, um, he's focused. Um, I just hope he can, you know, it's going to be hard to, for any kid to come in with a big school like Kentucky and do what Austin McGinnis did. Austin McGinnis was, you know, uh, he had record breakers there and, and I had a chance to meet him. What a great kid. And, and, and I saw a, a a podcast the other day where he's going to go with another football team making his way to the NFL. And uh, I think that's great. Uh, you know, and it's early to say I'd love to see my son go to the NFL, but, you know, of course we don't know. You know how things play out, and uh, we're just going to play it by ear. Lewis, I'm, I, I just, let me just jump in for a second. I completely understand what you're saying about place kickers getting the hardest rap of anybody because – I've always been of the opinion that as far as the professional level, they're the most underappreciated and underpaid players out there. And, like, I was always a natural athlete in high school, but I tried to do a PAT in gym class one time, and I couldn't even get it off the ground. And yeah. I, I just grew a new respect for place kickers right then and there. Well, and, and another thing, too, let me just let me just say, you know, 
I, I know back when uh, they had the blue and white game and, and my wife and I, Jody, came up and we sat with some friends from Louisville and uh, the good friends of ours. And, and uh, we saw him kick that 52-yarder. And, uh, and I was like, whoa, you know. And then we went back out on the field the next day, and, and I said, son, show me where you kicked that ball. And he walked out there and showed it, and I turned and looked to the goal, and it looked like somebody holding up two straws. That's how small it is. So when you get back and, you know, you're looking from the field or you're watching on TV and everybody says, whoa, that's a chip shot, take it from me. I'm going to tell you, I got 50, 52 yards back looking at that goal, and it's like trying to hit a bullseye with a ball. And, and, and it's, it's not easy. So, uh, you know, and you've got a lot of, a lot of things happening there and, and you got to give credit to the offensive line because they got to give you time, your center and your holder. And, you know, when a, when a kicker misses a field goal, it's a three-way situation. You don't know what happened. The, 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 the holder could have had a bad hole. The center could have had a bad snap, a lot of factors involved, but you know, the, the kicker always gets blamed. So, uh, I think what happened when, uh, one of the things that, that Dean Hood told me, he said what he admired about Chance is that he handled pressure well. So I'm not worried about the pressure part of it. Let's just hope he can, you know, thread the needle and get it through the goal. I know, uh, well, Derek knows all too well that kickers can be the heroes. I remember I, I didn't get to watch Kentucky Louisville game a few years ago when we upset them when they had Lamar Jackson. But that, I was in the car listening to it on my way home from work. And – Dude, when he hit, I thought I broke my hand. When, when they said that Austin McGinnis had made that, I think it was a 51 yard field goal to beat Louisville. Yeah. Dude, I was punching my steering wheel and everything. I, I got done. My hand was killed. I thought I broke my hand. You know, and, I, and I said that when, when Chance committed to Kentucky, I instantly, because I saw, I watched all the highlights on, on your kid, man. And I thought this kid, he could be, you know, Austin's replacement, you know, what we're looking for. You know, last year, you know, he didn't start off the year getting the kick or nothing. Uh, but I, 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 my personal opinion, I thought he should have been out there. But he's definitely got the leg. I mean, there's no doubt yeah. about it. And I'm I'm hearing that in scrimmage or whatever, the last scrimmage that he hit a, a 56-yarder. Yeah. That's what I, what I saw. You know, that 56-yarder, that's 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 huge. You know, that's a very long field goal. You know, if he can just stay, keep his confidence up, and like you say, you're going to miss kicks. Everybody does, no matter what. But I'm yeah. very excited and I would be committed. And, I, you know, I told you that when I interviewed you, you know, last year about that. Uh, I yeah. think the kid has a bright future. Kentucky. Uh, yeah, and, and he actually he actually loves the place. And you know the 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 coaching staff. Uh, I got to tell you guys, uh, and whoever listens to your podcast, you know uh, Kentucky has some of the the best, most professional uh, coaches I've ever known or met. Um, and they take care of their kids there. Uh, now, and, and another thing that a lot of fans don't realize, and I didn't realize this as a dad too. Um, in high school, is a little different, you know. But when you're in college, it's 24-7 football. But, you know, they're taking courses now. And my son has a full a full plate. And then they have requirements they have to do by making the, the practices. And it starts in the morning at 5. And they have to make their classes. They have to do their homework. They have to show up to their um, mandatory study halls and, and get with their tutors. There's things that they are mandatory to do or they'll get in trouble. And they have to keep a certain GPA to even play. So uh, in their defense as kids, you, you 18, 19, 20-year-old kids, they're working harder than some of us out in the field and in the world working our jobs. And, uh, and, and he told me, he said, Dad, it's like a job. And I said, well, that's basically what you're doing. You just got to do the job the best you can. 
but but I've always tried to tell him. I said, son, stay humble. I said, your fans are your best people. I said, they'll, they'll protect you when you're to go. When you miss that, when you miss that field goal, those fans are going to be taking up for you when the bad guys are telling you, hey, we need to get rid of you, that kind of thing. But you know what? Um, I, I've always tried to keep a positive note with him. He has a great attitude. Um, he gets along with a lot of people, and he, and he works hard at what he does. And you know, and 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 uh, I'll tell you a little quick story. That I, I get I get rambling sometimes. I met Benny Snell last year at, the, I think it's a Hyatt where they stay at before they go. And the first time I had, I'd seen Benny, he kind of snumped me, you know, he walked by me like I was just somebody else. So when I went into the, the, the side room and he, he saw that I was talking to chance, he came over and he said, he said, is chance, he said, are you chance's dad? I said, yeah. And he said, Oh man, we cool. You know? And I said, okay. And he said, he went over and pulled me to the side. And he said, boy, he said, that kid right there works hard in the gym. He said he works real hard in the gym. And I said, really? He said, oh, man. He said he goes hard for a kicker. Made me feel good because it's telling me he's got the motivation and the dedication to do what he needs to do. And his high school coach said the same thing. In high school, he'd work out with the offensive line. I mean, he'd do bench press and everything with them. And, and I'm like, hey, dude, you're a kicker. He said, no, Dad, I want to get big. I want to be able to take care of myself. And listen, he, he he ended up going to Kentucky when he was 200 pounds. He's 223 now. He doesn't have any fat on him. He's all muscle. And and Dad having to look up at him, that's that's weird. You know, I got to be careful what I do around him, you know. He's a big boy. <laughs> and a good analogy for a kicker would be like a shooter in basketball. You can't dwell on the last play. You can't dwell on that last miss. If you're a shooter, you just got to keep shooting. You know, a kicker, obviously, yeah. that's your only job is to kick it. So you just got to forget about the last play and keep kicking. And I'm sure that's something he already knows and something the coaches are constantly telling him. Yeah, and he told me he told me high school was a lot harder because there's so much more pressure, and he was in the learning stage. But, you know, um, high school was uh, – he was in the right place at the right time. And, 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 and he just um, – it was funny because he started his kicking career when he was um, – uh, probably when he was 12, but he played soccer since he's five. And uh, it always um, it always worked out real well. And uh, anyway, I'm sorry, somebody was trying to call me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you still there? Anyway, um, but, but no, his, his, uh, he's focused a lot on this, and he's worked real hard at it, and, and I'm glad he's where he's at. He's just got to make it happen for himself. But as far as parents, we're, we're real proud of him, man. I tell you what. And, and, you know, even though we have Orange around here in Anderson, South Carolina, there's a lot of Clemson support. Uh, a lot of my friends who are Tiger fans here, they all support Chance because he is a kid from a small town, Anderson, that's playing SEC ball. And there are a lot of local restaurants around here that have big pictures of him on the wall. But they're proud of him, you know, and, and that makes Dad feel good. Because and when he comes home and we go out to eat somewhere and he sees a picture of himself on the wall, he he, he stays pretty humble, you know, and, and it just lets him know that you know he's got his fans here too. Lewis, since you live so close to Clemson, uh, I've heard of a tradition of you may know about it, but I've heard of a tradition from Clemson fans when they go to away games. Is it true that they pay for everything in two dollar bills? <laughs> you know. That was some kind of fad that was going on earlier. I don't know if it's still happening now, but you know, you know, this place will be crazy here tomorrow because they play tomorrow night. And it's funny because uh, I would say one of the routes to going to Clemson is they come by where we live 
and I fly my blue flags everywhere. And I told, <laughs> I told a couple people, I said, I wish I had about 500 flags. I'd put them all in the front yard there or, and, you know, so these Clemson people could see them. You know, before we let you go, I just want to put a little pressure on you here. Uh, okay. let's, let's take the bad cap off. What is your official prediction for what you think Kentucky will do this season? I'd love to see them go better than what we have. I'm a little worried that we've lost so many to the NFL draft. And, you know, we got, what, 11 that, that took off? Um, but but looking at everything that's going on, and after talking to my son, he says our offense is strong. And, and, and don't get me wrong, he doesn't tell me a lot about football. When we talk, we don't talk football because he doesn't like to talk football uh, because he's, he's football all the time. But we talk about other things. But I did hear him say that our offense looked real good this year. Uh, and there were some places that they were working on with the defense because they lost, you know, lost some good key players. But I think we're going to – I think we're going to go at least what we did last year. I'm thinking, you know, uh, what, what what was it, 10 and 3? I think we did with the, with the uh, bowl as well. Uh, I think it's yeah. officially 9 and 3. Um, and I don't see how in the world – I, I hope we don't lose to Tennessee again. I, I don't know what happened in that game. Uh, I don't even think we got off the bus. Uh, that was, you know, that was a big turnaround and a big uh, shock to me because I thought we'd walk in there and 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 really just just annihilate Tennessee and 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 they ended up, you know, tearing us apart. But it was, I guess, you know, like you said, you have your ups and downs, and uh, we just didn't play good football then. Uh, I don't know. Um, I'm going to say that we're going to go we're going to go ten and two again, or worst case scenario, a nine and three. Uh, I'm not too worried because. I don't know. I just don't think – I think things are going to be different this time. Uh, Terry Wilson looks real good. Um, I think his confidence is built up. Uh, you, you, you know, as far as defense, uh, Cash Daniels, he's going to be the man. Uh, he's going to be a monster like he always is. Uh, a lot of the other people are stepping up, the running backs. Uh, I mean, and, and they got uh, Lynn Bowden. And all, all, those, all those cats are going to be back, and I think they're going to be – they're going to be ready to play. They're pumped. They, they want to do better, and um, and I just see the program getting better. And I'm just I'm just uh, fortunate that my son's on that team as they get better, and uh, he's enjoying it. And we are too. We love it. Well, growing up so close to Tennessee and now living and working in Tennessee, Derek knows all too well. And I've stated on this podcast many times my hatred for that Tennessee Orange. Uh, so. <laughs> I, we have to win that game, man. Because I'm thirty, I'm getting ready to be thirty-four year old, and I never once saw us beat Tennessee until I was in my twenties. I've only seen it twice in my lifetime. Last year, I don't know what happened. I, I'm, I think it was a Georgia loss coming off of that and that put us out of the SEC East running. Uh, I think, I think that's what it was. But we, it's at home this year, and I think we get them. But uh, Derek, do you have anything you want to ask before we go? No, I just want to uh, thank Lewis for coming on the podcast and. I, I can't I can't say enough how much I agree with him about kickers uh, being the hero or the goat. They really are put in an unfair situation because it, it's so much of a technique game, like he said, and it's it's so much of a of an inner conflict because you have so much time to think about what you're doing. And I just really have a lot of respect for for people like Chance. Yeah, well, and and you know he's he's got four years. You know he he got redshirted. He played three games and. And I, I listen. I couldn't bow down to Kentucky more than that because he saved Dad a lot of money. He's got a five-year scholarship now, and he's got four more years of eligibility. So if he starts, 
if he's the official starter this year, he'll be a, a red shirt freshman starter. And, um, and he's got four more years to develop and get better. And, you know, and, and that's what I told him. I said, uh, you know, stay, stay, you know, stay safe. Don't get hurt. I said, you know, stretch well, you know, keep your technique, keep practicing. And I said, in three years, you never know where you might be. And uh, it might take you to another level. And I'd love to see that, but we don't know. You know, they say, what, less than 2% make the NFL. Uh, but, you know, but we, we got some good, we got some good people from Kentucky at the NFL. I mean, you look at Josh Allen and Benny Snell, they're both doing well. And uh, it just amazes me that I even had a chance to meet those guys and now they're playing professional ball. You know, it's just, uh, it's uh, incredible. But, but no, just, you know, just for your fans and you people who listen, uh, man, I tell you, I love Kentucky. Uh, my wife and I, we'll be there every game. We'll be there to support them. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't care if they went, if they went 0 and 12, we'll still be there and we'll support them. Well, Lewis, man, we thank you for coming on with us. Uh, you know, hope, hope later in the year we can hit you up again and talk about how right you was about that uh, 10 and 3 record, 10 and 3 record. <laughs> you know, Lewis okay. Poor, everybody, poor father. We thank you and we will talk to you later, bud. Yeah, come, come see me this weekend. We'll, we'll hook up, okay? <laughs> Take care. Thank you. All right, guys, that was our interview with Lewis Poor. Uh, we really appreciate him coming on. Looking forward to seeing what Chance can do as a starting kicker for UK. And just like I told Lewis, I mean, I have such a respect for place kickers. I mean, it's got to be one of the hardest jobs in sports. I mean, it's absolutely insane the mental anguish that they have to deal with. Plus, going out there on the field in front of 100,000 people live, plus – potentially millions of people watching on on television and kicking a stupid oblong ball through two sticks. I mean, and if you make it, like you said, if you make it, you're the hero, if you miss it, you're the goat. And it's, it's, it's a terrible job. I'm just going to say it. It's just a terrible job. I don't, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. You know, a perfect example would be the Chicago bears last year. Look at that whole debacle they had last year with their kickers. It's beyond me how they cut Austin McGinnis from that team and kept the kickers they had. Uh, but dude, last year the Bears, they was their kickers was receiving death threats and everything else. You know, kind of like uh, Lewis was saying there, they had a nightmare with their kickers. One thing I would like to uh, say though that uh, Lewis had said, he talked about Austin McGinnis getting another shot at the NFL. Uh, what I saw though was actually for the XFL. You got two former Kentucky Wildcats that's been invited to uh, be a part of the XFL draft coming up. The XFL starts up <clears throat> in uh, 2020 next year. Uh, and that was uh, Austin McGinnis and uh, Patrick Toes. Now, Austin McGinnis was part of that, uh, what was that league? They started up last year and quickly ended it. I can't remember what the name of it was. I can't remember either, but he was in. He actually went to that one after he got cut by the Bears, and his first game made a 51-yard uh, game-winning field goal uh, at the end of regulation to win that game for whatever team he was on. It was the Memphis, a team out of Memphis down here, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but you know, Austin, I don't, I still don't understand how that man's not in the NFL, the kicker he was, but yeah, like you said, you know, if you, if you look at the Chicago bears last year, and I know you remember that dude, that was such a talking point was their kickers last year. I mean, something that we talked about earlier, just that Jack just tweeted out. Do you, do you want to talk about that real quick before we get into the Twitter poll? Man, I am so excited guys. I've said for, you know, I guess probably over a month now that this was going to be a crazy recruiting class for Kentucky basketball. And it's yet to be it's yet to be proven, you know, 
but I really, really believe this is going to be a special class. I'm talking probably the best class since uh, since uh, either Randall and them or Towns, uh, the Towns year. But uh, Terrence Clark has now – we've now picked up four crystal ball picks in Kentucky's favor on 247 Sports. Jack Pilgrim tweeted out and the one on the future cast. Kentucky now holds 100% of the crystal ball predictions on both websites for Terrence Clark, who is actively – uh, trying to reclassify to the 2020 class. Big news for Lexington. Like I said, he's just throwing out fillers, and he's like, whoever commits first is going to get my scholarships. Um, something else I wanted to touch on that Jack talked about recently within the last hour, Cade Cunningham sets a big blue madness uh, <laughs> visit and says his decision is coming this fall. So what are your thoughts on that, Dustin? Go. Man, just wanting to enjoy the uh, the official visits and stuff. He can go on, get all the all the attention he can get. Cause you, dude, we know where the kid's going. This is this is just pointless. He has to just be trying to enjoy it. And who blames him? I mean, who wouldn't want to go to Big Blue Madness as a recruit? Uh, you know, all all these other ones too, for that matter. But I've been to several of the Big Blue Madnesses, dude. That it gets crazy. It is it's an event that unlike any other I've been to. But it don't mean nothing. It means absolutely nothing. I blame him. Me. This guy. I blame him because he's going to keep screwing around until he calls his brother a job. That's <laughs> what he's going to do. Just commit already, Cade. If you're listening to this, just commit and and go to Oklahoma State and get it over with. Save your brother's career. You heard it here. I don't know. I mean, it's it's just crazy. If, if if his recruitment goes into the spring, his brother don't have a job, does he? If I was coaching, he wouldn't. If I was <laughs> coaching and it got past Christmas and I didn't have a Christmas present that was a letter of intent from Cade Cunningham, I would be a Scrooge and ball humbugging everybody, and I'd probably definitely fire his brother. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it would definitely turn almost anybody into a Scrooge. Just you know. Got that much hinging because let's face it, Oklahoma State, they're going to be hinging on this kid coming to Oklahoma State. You know, they ain't going to be the Dukes and the Kentuckys of the world who got, okay, well, go ahead. I'll get this other guy like Kentucky's doing right now, you know, with uh, Josh Green, uh, Terrence Clark, you know, Josh Christopher, all these guys. I can keep naming them, but I don't want to, I don't want to keep hurting your feelings as a Louisville fan. But, <laughs> but uh, that, that's, that's what Oklahoma State is hinging on. They're hinging on this one kid. Well, um, like you said, it 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 sure looks like that UK is going to have a big have a big recruiting year. Um, but let's get into this Twitter poll real quick and to close this show out. Um, we posted on Twitter last night uh, a poll about the predictions for Week One UK and Louisville football. So basically, the choices were. UK win, Louisville loss, UK loss, Louisville win, UK win, Louisville win, or UK loss, Louisville loss. We had 304 votes in 24 hours, and overwhelmingly, UK win, Louisville loss was 84%. And second, and second, surprisingly, UK win, Louisville win at 15%, and only 1% at UK loss, Louisville win. So uh, what do you think about these poll results? Uh, I mean... I think this is pretty straightforward considering our previews, but I'm just going to let you jump in on this real quick. 
Well, either somebody accidentally clicked the wrong ones, you know, that predicted a uh, Louisville win and a Kentucky win, or you got some pretty hardcore homers <laughs> that's following our Twitter and voting on that because uh, I don't think hardly anybody, and I'm not trying to take uh, jabs at Louisville. I'm honestly not this time. I don't think anybody that actually thinks with their head instead of their heart is going to say Louisville beats Notre Dame. I can't see that either. I mean, that's (laughs) – I mean, if they play a quarter maybe, but four quarters, no. Like I said, the depth is going to just overwhelm them in in an entire game. It's – no, there's no way. There's no way that's happening. At least they're making bold predictions. Who knows? Next week we might be having to praise those guys. We don't know. Hey, the next time we have a podcast, it may be a party because I will make if if they end up upsetting Notre Dame. Well, I'm going to make this podcast a party next week. Mark it down, dude. We we'll have to do some investigation. If Louisville wins, we'll have to figure out the people that voted for Louisville to win and uh, you know we'll give them shout outs on this podcast because they they would definitely deserve it. Um, I know this is going to be our first action as a podcast as far as you know actual live games go so keep an eye on our twitter keep an eye on our instagram uh we may do some lives i may do some lives i know dustin's going to be at work but i may post some lives on there some live reaction on what's going on what's taking place uh if if you like that kind of thing weigh in like i said it's probably going to be live broadcasts over instagram uh i may tweet out some stuff on twitter but we'll we'll see how that goes um, I'm I'm just excited to get some UK and Louisville football going. Not as excited as I am to get the basketball season, but I'll take anything at this point. Yeah, dude, I I need sports back in my life so bad. I used to be big into NASCAR and stuff. I've not since uh, you know Junior has stepped away. I didn't like it as much when he was at the end there because of the rule changes they made. But I need something, and I, I you know baseball's fine. That's fine. But I personally can't sit there and just watch baseball all the time. I can't do it. I need basketball and football back. And I'm honestly as much of a football fan as I am basketball. So I'm I'm so excited to have something now that I can watch to occupy my time. You know how far my baseball fandom goes? It's MLB The Show on PlayStation 4. That's as far as it goes. (laughs) It goes no further. I I have a career on there, and that's as far as it goes. I, I know nothing about baseball. I, I couldn't name you five players in, in the MLB, I don't think. I might be able to name five. I know I couldn't name ten. I'm a Reds fan. I, I keep up with them. I definitely keep up with their scores all the time, sadly. And poor guys, they ain't, I don't know if they're ever going to come out of this hole. But uh, I can't sit down and watch a, a whole game, really. I have some of the Kentucky ones. Now, that one I have. But I probably ain't watched two full games of the Cincinnati Reds in my lifetime. Well, I I have watched Louisville baseball um, in the past couple of years because I mean in all honesty they've been really good and I watched I watched the uh, the super regional between Louisville and Kentucky when Louisville put a pound on them a couple of years ago I thoroughly enjoyed that one um, but yeah I need some football and basketball need it right now quickly uh, what else was I going to tell there was something else I wanted to talk about before we ended the podcast but I can't remember what it is I'll probably remember it five minutes after we we shut this thing down but um i guess that's that's gonna do it for episode 17 you got anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here uh yeah you know you know season starting up we want to see a lot of kentucky wins very few louisville wins so 
I'm pretty excited about this year, and I don't know about you, Derek. And you know, Louisville, you're gonna have fun watching Louisville this year, Angie. I am because I'm I'm just gonna enjoy this because anything over three wins is gonna be an exciting year. I mean, I I accept the fact that this is a rebuilding process, new coach. Um, I'm excited to kind of see what he can do. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try my best to temper my expectations. I'm gonna try my best to just say, okay, let's just see some improvement. That's all I want to see. See some improvement. But I know me, and that's not the way it's gonna be. I'm gonna. It's gonna be awful football to watch, and I'm gonna be screaming at the TV before it's all over with. And I, I just can't. I just can't be that person I want to be. Well, buddy, I know exactly where you're coming from. I remember watching. You know, it was fun when I first started watching it. Kentucky had Tim Couch. After he left, it was years. You know, even under Jared Lorenzen, who I absolutely loved. You know, we would go two and nine at the time. They played eleven games instead of twelve, obviously. But every there was times I would get so pissed off. I'm like, I'm turning this TV off. I ain't even watching it no more, dude. It wouldn't be five minutes later. I was having to turn it back on because I couldn't stand it. You know, no, <laughs> no one lose. We go two and nine on the year, but I could not help but watch it. Throwing stuff at the wall, mad screaming, my mom yelling at me to shut up. Uh, but you, you still got to enjoy it, no matter what. You know, it's your team you're going to watch. Yeah, uh, that's that's all you can say about it. Oh, one more thing I wanted to mention about the Louisville game: starting tight end, uh, starting tight end for Louisville, Jordan Davis is out for this game. They won't have him. Um, so as thin as they are they're going to be down a starter. So that's just one more notch in the old belt. So we'll hopefully they can make it competitive and entertaining to watch, but this one's probably getting turned off on most televisions by halftime. I want to end with the question. Does, uh, does Louisville even have a legitimate depth chart or is it just mumble jumble? They even have enough players for a depth chart. I'm offended by that. You know, they have a depth chart. It just because it's a bunch of terrible players doesn't mean they don't have players. I mean, okay, I'll take it back. Is there any third stringers? Yes. Get at <laughs> it. Let's get out of here before you before you piss me off. I don't talk to you anymore. All right, guys, that's that's been episode seventeen. We're gonna call it a night. Um, make sure we are on Apple Podcasts. I keep forgetting to mention that we are on uh, Podbean also. Uh, so if you have if you have an Android phone, that's the best place to find us. But uh, the the best place to find us. If you have an iPhone, is Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're on there. Make sure to get on, uh, subscribe, go and review us. Give us five stars. We really appreciate it. Uh, follow us on Twitter at BFTBG Podcast. Um, give us some listener questions that you guys want us to address. You can give them to us on Twitter. You can also email us at BFTBGPodcast at gmail.com. Um, I'm on Twitter, Dustin's on Twitter, and until next week, stay classy, Kentucky.